0: At some point in time, you need to. If you brought a paper Bible, and I really encourage that. I think there's something about it. You know, as you know, I travel a fair bit, and you know, I actually love getting onto a lift carrying one of these. Thank God! Can I tell you something? This 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 book doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God, and uh, there's some things in there that that will help you in every way. In your life, and uh, we're going to open to that eventually in the book of Ephesians and the, the last chapter, which is chapter 6. Families, raising children, relationships that's our focus for the next few weeks. Family matters. Family matters to us, family matters to Lynn and I, family matters to me. In fact, that's one of the reasons that, that I was motivated to write a book, which we released a little while ago, uh, called My Father's Son, which is not only a story of you know, the, the incredible transformation that happened in my own father's life, but what God can do in every family as we discover a God who says, you know, I'm not just a judge and I'm not distant, I want to be your father. Here's the good news, that book actually comes out on audio book, Tomorrow, all right. I know. I, I read it myself. I did my best to sound like Morgan Freeman. And, and uh, we're pretty excited because, um, you know, some some even people in my own family said, you know, young women, young mums, etc., and guys. It, it's it's the easiest way to actually get a, a book, and it's it's not a big book, and you'll dissolve it pretty quickly. You'll you'll sh- dissolve it. What's that word? You, you'll dissolve the book. You, you'll absorb it, any other words that you think might help, assimilate, all right, in fact, the whole morning, if you think there's a better word than the one I use, just shout it out at me, all right, that would be fantastic. So we're going to talk about children, because it matters, matters very much to this church, and I actually believe right now that the, the family unit, which is designed by God to be the building block for society, is under incredible pressure right now incredible pressure. And people in this room and people watching this message today, you may be experiencing the pressure and we get it. And that's why we believe the church needs to be here for you and we need to be a voice and we need to offer help to every family. And we start by opening the Bible. And it's been a significant day for a number of families here in our church as we've brought them to the Lord, we've dedicated to God and we've asked him to help us And I want to spend, for that reason, a little bit of time looking at our responsibility to the next generation. Could you imagine a world without children? Some of you that had to get up at three this morning probably could. (laughs) But could you imagine a society without children? We'd probably have less messy marks on our walls. Our cars would be a little cleaner. We might get a little more sleep. But there'd be a lot less laughter. There'd be a lot less fun. There'd be a lot less colour in the world without our children. A little boy by the name of Danny Dutton is really one of life's great philosophers. He's a year three student and he, his class was asked by his teachers to write an essay on family and God. Let me give you an excerpt from that essay says one of God's main jobs is making people. He makes these to put them in place of the ones that die so there'll be enough people to take care of things here on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups. He just makes babies. I think because they are smaller and easier to make. That way... He doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to walk and talk. He can just leave that up to mothers and fathers. And I think that works out pretty good. Well done, Danny Dutton. I don't think there is a more responsible job given to anyone than raising our children to be responsible citizens. I don't think we need to just raise children. I think we need to raise adults children that will be valuable contributors to society, children that will grow to be champions in their generation and serve society well. It's got lots of challenges. There's a cost. There's a sacrifice to be made. But can I tell you something? The extreme privilege and the amazing joy of raising children is hard to describe. I've raised two sons, codenamed Alpha and Omega. Just two, the beginning and the end. Joy of my life. We raised them out on an acreage property outside the city of Ipswich. And I remember one day when our oldest son got his license. My neighbor watched as he drove down our long driveway No longer with somebody beside him as he's learning to drive, but now a a licensed driver. And he looked at him drive away. He said, "He's got his license." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Oh man, just like you, I got two kids. I can't wait for the day they both get their license and they're out of my hair." I said, "You know something? That's a sad day because I I love the sports games. I, I I I loved this is are we allowed to be honest here today? I loved speech nights." Will you wait four hours for that seven seconds when your kid walks across, gets a book? I loved it. I loved it all. I loved the holidays. There is something that's an absolute joy about being a parent. And now for us in this new season of being a granddad and grandparents. Family. The Apostle Paul wrote a number of incredible Instructions in the New Testament regarding raising children, and I'm going to today draw from his writings to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Interestingly, he does qualify obey your parents in the Lord. There are some things that some parents ask the children to do that they don't have to obey, but that's the absolute, absolute, absolute minority. As a general fact, just children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I will not tell you my father's spin on that. Obey me if you want to live long. I'm not sure that's what the Apostle Paul had in mind. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Wives, don't nudge your husband right now. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Can I tell you those four verses there? We could actually have an entire day seminar just on the application of that instruction. But give me a few minutes today instead just to draw out Four very important concepts that, that Paul zones in on. As I read this again in the last few days, I, I just wondered, how different would society be if every family applied the principles that are espoused here right now? It would be an amazing world to live in. And right now we've got a society that's got a lot of challenges, but how about we, the church, decide to be an example of how to raise healthy homes? So there's four important concepts that Paul really drills down on, and today I want to give them some attention. Four big words, four important concepts. Number one, obedience. The Bible gives children some instruction which we as parents need to help them actually work out. Ready for it? Here's the instruction. Children, Obey your parents. It doesn't say parents negotiate with your children. I'm actually going to push a few buttons today. My kids are in their 30s and I'm allowed to, all right? I want your families to shine. I want them to be filled with love and joy. I want you to raise kids that are absolutely champions in the earth. So let's actually, let's embrace them. Children, obey your parents. Here's a simple fact in life. You'll always have to obey someone in authority. Teachers, the police, employers, we are setting our children up for a win in adult life when we demand that children obey their parents. I thought that there are reasonable ways to actually teach them how to do that. But but at the end of the day, parents, stop negotiating with your four-year-old. Because the school teacher in year five is going to still be negotiating. They might as well learn early. The principles of obedience and respect of authority. They might as well learn it in the home. Because I'm going to tell you, as life goes on, they're going to need to apply that. And and if they want to succeed in life, there are some principles to being a human in a reasonable society that we actually need to do. God has put, the Bible says, all authorities in place for our well-being. He's put all authorities in place so that that society functions well and that we actually do well in life. Here's a simple principle in life. You might want to write this down. We have to get under what God has put over us so that we can get over what God wants to put under us. You want to be the head and not the tail? Learn to apply the principles of Scripture. Learn to get under the authorities that God has put in your life. And when you're growing as a little person, The number one point of authority is your parents. Children, obey your parents. We do our kids a massive favour by setting boundaries and showing them that there are consequences for crossing them. As I was preparing this message, I just sat and I smiled as I thought about some of the consequences that, that we as parents with our own boys put in place. I I, got to be honest, I was the minister for sport and recreation. Um, Lynn was the minister for education. And so probably there were some times that probably Lynn was more the boundary setter. I also was traveling a lot, leading a ministry called Youth Alive all over our country. And so, you know, Lynn was the constant that was there all the time. I I would fly in, fly out. And for me, for, for those of us men, listen, and maybe there are some situations where it's the wife. Be careful that when you're not the person that's there all the time, you don't just come in and you're Santa Claus when you do visit. Make sure those boundaries that are put in place, you respect. I remember when, um, when one of our boys got their license. Um, we were noticing that... I don't want to embarrass the person. I only have two sons. And, um, <laughs> one's a real Christian and is here today. Uh, LAUGHTER I remember Lynn one time was noticing that, that again, I don't want to identify our oldest son, who who was, was getting home late, brand new driver. We lived, in those days, we lived 40 kilometers from, from the church. So it's a long way home, you know, through dark patches. And I remember, you know, listen, you know what, I'm noticing you're getting home a lot later than you should, man. You're supposed to be home at a certain time. And I, I remember it was a reasonable hour, maybe it was 11. 11.30, I forget what it was. It was pretty reasonable, fresh, especially for a brand new driver, still probably not even 18. And she said, oh, let me tell you, you, you you've got to be home early. Yep. Next week, breaches it. Next week, breaches it. Okay, here's the deal. And she said, you need, Wayne, 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 you need to support me in this. Okay. She said, here's my promise. If you get home after that hour that I've set, here's my promise. You're going to be sleeping outside. And I remember that smug look. Like He's 17 now. He's not a baby. <laughs> you won't. I still remember that night. It was youth. Right? The youth of our church has got major problems. We're slowly getting there. But um, I still remember the fiendish joy that Lynn was, I could see it welling up in her soul at the thought that this kid was going to break the boundaries that she'd set. She's like, I said to her, you're you're enjoying this way too much. She went around, she locked, she double locked every window, every door. And I still remember, I I remember, and she's like some, you know, some some naughty kid. I remember remember the car coming up the the driveway. He had a, a little Ford laser. I remember him coming up the driveway, and next thing I hear him go to the door, rattle, can't get in. Tries it again, rattle rattle. She's double locked it. And then then I, he goes around the back. Same thing. Can't get in. Tries every window. And Lynn by now is just beside herself. This is the greatest joy of her life. <laughs> he slept outside in the carport uh, that night, and the next morning he came in a bit dusty. He goes, What'd you do? She said, I told you. Guess what? He kept within that curfew for the rest of his whole pea plate season. Hey. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. It's good for them. You've got to get under what God has put over you so you can live a victorious life living over what he wants to put under you. Obedience. So parents, parents, I love you but I need to tell you something. Your children need to learn some life lessons without you interfering. Every school teacher in the room right now is going, go, go. (laughs) Stop interfering. Helicopter parenting is stunting the development of a generation. It's genuinely undermining and eroding resilience. Let them experience a few knocks. Let them graze their knee. If the school teacher says Johnny's a brat, the sports coach says Johnny's a brat, your neighbors say Johnny's a brat, here's a thought Johnny might be a brat. <laughs> let the village help you. Let, stop, stop interfering and let your child grow. I, anyway, we, I, I got so much I want to say about that. Like, you'll come back to the seminar. Participation prizes. Let me tell you something. In life, there are winners and losers. You'll get a contract or you'll lose a contract. You'll get a job or you won't get a job. Oh, let's have a participation. Look, we have chosen a candidate for this job, but you can all turn up. We have a, a participation prize. Let's just face the fact there are some real aspects about living that our children need to learn. And let them experience it. Take—I—I I, I want your children to be know they're loved and supported. But some of them, they just need to learn a few real truths. Let it start by obeying the parents. I'm enjoying this message. <laughs> Proverbs 19. By the way, I don't—I—I I don't know any child in this church that I think's a brat. I mean that with all my heart. Not in this campus, anyway. Proverbs chapter 19, (laughs) Proverbs chapter 19 says, ready? Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, some versions say, and when you're older, you'll be counted among the wise. Discipline is good for us. Here's the second word that Paul uses, honour. Honour your father and your mother, honour. Honour. The word honour means to fix great value on. It's like a prized possession. You value it deeply. I actually don't think there is an age limit to honouring your parents. Some Bible teachers suggest that that whole thought of honouring your mother and your father... And so when you're old, you'll live long in the earth and it'll go well with you. Some Bible teachers suggest that in Ephesus, one of the practices in society was euthanasia. It was common. Get to a certain age, you have no value anymore, so we'll get rid of you. What Paul's saying is what you sow, you'll reap. You value the older generation so that when you're old, they'll value you. Honor them, place value. Both my parents have gone now. love them dearly and I honor them. I thank God for them. They're people of steadfast faith. People who just opened their heart and loved people with with, with seemingly no limits. They had had a sacrificial commitment to family. And I honour them for it. They gave me great foundations in life when I was young. And I don't think once when I was young I thanked them for it. But now when I'm old I think, oh... I'm so grateful for my childhood. I'm so grateful for the heritage I have. I honour my mother and my father. Never stop doing that. When you walk into a home, there are some things you can see, some things you can feel, you can hear it. Honor's one of them. There's honour expressed in this family. Mums and dads, if you want your children to honour you, how about you start by honouring one another? Speaking well of each other. Speaking well of each other in private, speaking well of each other to, your, to each other in front of your children. If there's separation or divorce, do your very, very best, even in that situation, to still be respectful of them. It's so, so important. Can we go another level? Parents, be people of Honour. Speak well of those in leadership. Don't sit there in front of your children bagging on those in parliament and those in government in front of your kids. What you sow, those little seeds get sown in their heart. Don't bag on church leadership in front of your kids. In fact, don't bag on church leadership. Because if you can do it better. Just saying. Honour. Let's be people of honour. Let's have a church of honour. Let's have homes of honour. Holding each other as as, as extremely valuable, as extremely important. Children, honour your mum and dad. And how about we start by just honouring the Lord? You know, when you honour the Lord, it sets a tone in a home. And and it actually affects the way relationships actually are outworked. Honour. Honour the Lord. I love the book of Joshua. Joshua. And I love Joshua's leadership. We're going to have a look at one, one thing that he, where he failed, but there is something about his life that inspires me. He comes to the end of his life in Joshua 24. We won't turn to it today, but it's worth looking at it. And he brings the elders of, of, of the, the tribes of Israel together, and, and some of them had decided to serve foreign gods, and some of them had neglected the Lord. And he says, you know what? You do what you want to do. Ready for this? This is one of my favorite verses and lines in Scripture. He said, but as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. I know it's not cool. I know it's a cool thing in society to bag the church and criticize leadership. But let me tell you something. Push that aside because you start doing that in your household, you watch where that ends up in the generations that flow. Honor. Here's the third word. Integrity. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. How come it's only us? (laughs) <laughs> Just saying. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. There, there are some factors that I think really exasperate your children. In fact, the New King James gets the word even closer to the, what the original transcript really was getting at. Don't provoke your children. Don't provoke your children. Let me give you a few that will provoke your children. Inconsistency. Being a different person at home to what you are in public inconsistency in your discipline. I've met parents that discipline their children for things they do. I told that little beep that if he ever keeps swearing, I'll beep and knock his beep and head off. I told him, stop smoking, it's bad for your health. Like, seriously? Then there's that other stuff. Of 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 just you know carrying in our hearts stuff that's dark. Let's not be those people. Let's be consistent. Let's 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 be people who, in every way, in our life, we're we we people that are doing our best to follow Jesus. Well, we we're loving God. We're loving people. We're kind. Let's make sure we're the same in public as we are in private, and vice versa. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not be too demanding. I think one of the challenges, and I see it particularly in some cultures, where parents are too demanding on their children. Living out their own dreams through their kids, whether it's academic or career or sport or the arts. Let them be themselves. Let them follow their own path. The Bible says that each of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. We've all got unique gifts. We've all got unique capacities. We've all got something to offer our generation. How about we just let them be themselves? Just encourage them to be the best they can be. Don't compare your kids with their siblings. I didn't know till years later. The school I went to, I did pretty well in sport and academically. My sister's four years younger than me. She told me years later that she, she was in a class one day and she said something and she got something wrong. And the school teacher said to her, I can't, I can't believe you're Wayne Alcorn's sister. And it actually did some damage to a soul. Can I tell you now? That girl's got more academic qualifications than I have. Flourishing in life. But that comparison thing damages little people. Let's not be those people. Let's not provoke them. Let's not practice lifeless religion. Full of rules but no grace. Turns them off. You know the antidote for all of this? Consistency. I did a funeral a couple of years ago for one of my mentors, a great man of God. And his son got up and as I was listening to his son speak of him, I thought, I hope my boys can say this of me. They said he's not only passionate, he's not only gifted, but the thing I love about my dad, he's the most consistent human being I know. He's the absolute same in public as he is in private. He's the absolute. He's the same on the platform as he is in the backyard. Let's be consistent. Let's help them. Being unreasonable, being too harsh. I grew up in a small country town for a few years, a town called Dolby. And I remember in that church there was a family of a particular ethnicity. And the father was a brute. I remember even as a little kid one day, whereas both families, my family and their family were there after church, my dad had preached, we were over at their house, and the guy went to discipline me. That didn't go well, if you know my father. (laughs) But I watched this man, over those few years, I watched him, and and when I replayed the tape, I just watched just how harsh and heavy-handed he was, just crushing them. I know those children, they're around my age today. They're all people with stunted personalities, almost apologetic, shy, withdrawn. We've got to be very careful we're not too harsh in raising our kids. Too demanding. Fault finding. If you Take your notes, write this. I choose to be in my kids' cheer squad, not their firing squad. Major on their strengths. Draw out destiny by speaking life to them. They're all different, every one of them. I don't know why God didn't use a cookie cutter when he created us all, but he didn't. Creates this great spectrum of life and colour and unique gifts and talents. Draw it out. Parents, you're memory makers. Above all the jobs that you've got, one of the big ones is your memory makers. In fact, as you contemplate, some of your expenditure in the next season of life, why don't you plan to spend more money on making memories than just buying things? Maybe it's a holiday. Maybe it's some experience. Create memories. Because at the end of their life, the things will be gone. Memories will hold on forever. What sort of memories will your children have? Listen to me. If you're online, listen. In the room. What memories will your children have of their childhood growing up in your house, growing up in this house? I dinner a little while ago with a, with a friend of mine. He's now a retired policeman. My boys grew up at the same school and they played competitive sport with their boys through their growing years. We stayed in contact. Great friend. I remember one day, our oldest boy did pretty well at cricket. And I remember we were just down the road here at Allen Border Oval. It was a midweek game. They were playing at a fairly high representative level. I turned up You know, it's pretty hard for parents to get to a midweek game. But I went to the grandstand and there was just the score and a couple of officials and my friend. And I went and sat beside him. It was close to here. I was able to walk down. I sat beside him. I said, you know what amazes me? This is a policeman. You know what amazes me? Every time I turn up at a game, you're here. He said, oh, yeah, mate. He said, I'm a copper. I know kids need their dads. He said, let me tell you what else. When my son replays his childhood and he thinks about all of the seasons of his life, I want my face in those images. I want to be there. When he thinks about some of those great moments of his life, he's a memory maker. I want our memories... I want our children to carry those memories of love and joy and fun and, yes, some discipline, yes, some boundaries, but but they set me up for a great win and what a great childhood I had. We can start by making memories today. Be a memory maker. And here's the final one. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about honour. We've talked about, I missed that one before. The third one was integrity. Integrity. And here's the fourth one training bring them up in the training say training and instruction of the lord there are three essentials for training champions three essentials for you raising boys and girls in your home that shine in their generation are you ready for it here's the three things number 1 example number 2 example number 3 Example. example. If the real estate people tell you location, 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 let me tell you, parenting is about, say it with me, example, example, example. Your sons and daughters, hear this loud and clear, your sons and daughters will not do what you tell them to do. They'll do what they see you do. It's consistency. Be the message. And sometimes the pressure to help them with their education, their ed- extracurricular pursuits, as well as just the, you know, the love of lifestyle, etc. It has the potential to distract us from the important responsibility of training our children up in the ways of the Lord. The ways of the Lord. I want my kids to do well at school. I want them, if they pursue sport or the arts, to do well. I want, them, I want them to succeed in life. I want them to have a great life. I want them to have a fun life. But you know what? If, if that's all they get and they don't end up following Jesus. I sat with a great friend of mine about my age just a little while ago and he said, you know something? Being a great parent doesn't necessarily guarantee your kids are going to turn out great. I just don't want them to be the reason they don't. They just don't want to be the reason they don't. So my example is so, so important, especially in the ways of the Lord. Hear me, we want our kids to shine. We want them to be influencers in their generation. But what would it profit a man if they gained the whole world and lose their own soul? What would it profit if we set our kids up to do incredible things and have an amazing career and they end up not following Jesus? We spoke about the Joshua generation a few moments ago and Joshua, and and, and it's an amazing story of how they were successful and they took the land and they took cities. But you know what? There is is a postscript to the Joshua generation and that's probably what motivated me as much as anything else in those nearly 20 years that Lynn and I led in youth ministry. It says in Joshua 2.10. I'm going to put it on the screen because for me... We look at them and we've heard that I've preached on the Joshua generation. I've heard messages on the Joshua generation of what a wonderful thing they did, how successful they did. But the postscript makes me wonder. It says, Judges 2.10, put it on the screen for me. It says, and after that whole generation, that whole generation is the Joshua's generation, had been gathered to their ancestors. In other words, they died. After they died, another generation. Are you ready for this? Grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Whoa! On the surface, we'd say so successful, but the postscript says they missed the mark. I wonder if they were so busy pursuing their goals that they missed the mark. Winning cities. Losing their kids. I don't want to be that person. I don't know. Listen, hear me loud and clear. It doesn't have to be all. We can have a successful career. We can raise our kids to be champions. We can see them do great things in every sphere of life and they can still follow Jesus. And they can still follow Jesus. I read that story of the Joshua generation and say, what happened? God did so much for them. Were they too busy? Was it not a priority? Getting home too late to ever open the scriptures, talk about God, pray with the kids? I don't know what happened, but they missed it. Never let it be said of our generation. Oh, they built great buildings and had great churches and all that. Oh, but there's no kids coming through, serving the Lord. Come on, this has got to be a priority. Someone help the preacher today. The word train that we have. If we read it in the, in the New King James, it says to bring them up. Bring them up in the ways of the Lord. It paints a picture of, of actually taking a journey with them. It takes time. We walk with them. That journey takes time. I remember when I was a young guy, mid-twenties, didn't have children, I heard, a, heard an old preacher say this. He said, parents, this is a great line, you need to learn to waste time with the people you love. I'm like, come on, you have no idea. I don't, I've got no time to waste i got great goals, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then as you you become a parent, and now as a grandparent, one of the most important things, we had a phone call from one of our our kids yesterday. Hey, we've got a situation, Can, can the kids just come over? Absolutely. I had to get a message ready, had other priorities. Let me tell you something, the greatest joy of my life was to waste time with the people we love. Waste time. God help us bring out the best in each of our kids. We need to close this service, but let me give you a few thoughts. Proverbs 29, 18. Here's, here's some ways to train them. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there's no vision. I think the NIV says revelation. People cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Vision makes sense of discipline. I remember seeing a retired sports person who at his day was just phenomenal, just a beast on the sports field. And within a year or two had literally, you know, that muscle had, you know, he'd just given up and he'd put on weight and he was unfit. I remember them interviewing him a couple of years later and they said, How did, what happened? He said, I had nothing to train for anymore. I had no goal. I had nothing to pursue. Let's give our children a vision that all their days we can continue to pursue great things for God. Fan into flames, speak into it. Encourage them. Give your kids something to live up to, not down to. We had one of our grandkids in our our swimming pool yesterday. A month ago, this little guy was pretty nervous, had to wear a life jacket when he got in the water. Yesterday, I was shocked. Swam right across the pool without a life jacket. Lynn threw some weights in the thing. He went down and got them off the bottom of the thing and went, All of a sudden I realised about a month ago we started calling him Aquaman. He came up holding one of the things on the bottom and said, You're Aquaman. Yes, I am. (laughs) What You see, give them something. Speak into their lives. Declare over them. What you speak, they become. Encouragement. Teach them. You need to be glad that you're in a church that wants to partner with you as a parent. want to help you embrace the challenge of raising children. Our kids' ministry, they're amazing. In fact, I'm going to put on screen because this is really important. I want to show you some of the things that we want to help you with. These are all happening right now. Parent Q, that's an app we've developed to send resources straight to your phone, not just to them. So you can have conversations about things they learned today on the Parent Q app. If you don't know anything about this, go and talk to Pastor Jay and the, and the kids' ministry team. The Bite sized Bible, this is something that's really cool. The bite-sized Bible, we've, we've grabbed it, we're using it, and your children can make available, uh, get it available. It's, it's got helpful summaries of key verses and key themes and key books of the Bible. The kids' Bible experience. That's amazing. You version, you know something? Daily videos come to your home screen of the Bible app, helping your kids love the Bible. In fact, Hope Center, are now, this is a global app, Hope Center are now actually helping develop content for that global ministry. Pretty cool. Instagram, there's a lot of things there that we can put and celebrate. And then the Jesus Storybook Bible. Some of my team reckons it's the best kid's Bible ever written. Filled with stories to help you children focus on Jesus. The Bible's not just full of rules and cute stories. It's filled with life and wisdom. Help them fall in love. With the word of God. Help them experience the person and power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible encourages us to taste and see. Taste, taste, and see. Taste and see. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. We don't just want to have church in here and experience the power and presence of God and we're just babysitting out there. We want our children to grow up knowing that Jesus is real. The person and the power of the Holy Spirit is for me, regardless of how young I am. We want, that's, that's the environment that we want. To create, Get them into the house of God. I know we've all got stuff on and we've all got things we want to do, but can I encourage you? King David said this, I love the house where you live, O Lord. It's the place where your glory dwells. I've got a simple question. If you don't make bringing your children to the house of God, what atmospheres are you allowing to shape them? What atmospheres? What's going to influence their life? What's going to be the main source of the philosophies and policies of their life? TikTok? Come on, get them into the house of God. Set a pattern. Set a pattern. It's a habit, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. I think one of the big challenges is just to normalize following the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to close with this. It's just just normalise. Don't make it harsh. We used to say to our boys who both of them did did pretty well in sport particularly. I grew up in an era where where Christians didn't play sport on Sunday and I missed out on a number of rep opportunities in that. And I think it was one of the things that got in my heart that actually made me a little angry towards the church. So as a parent I said, you know what, I Paul actually doesn't say that Sunday's the Lord's Day, he said every day's the Lord's Day. But set aside a day to worship him. We had a simple rule with our kids. We want you to pursue your desires and goals. Be successful. But just wherever possible, no matter where you play, we want you to be in one service a week. And we have got great morning and night services. I used to watch our boys come to school, come to church, sorry, in their sports uniforms and their gear. Sometimes a granddad would take them out halfway before the service was over. But we got into a habit. Today, they're in their 30s and still in the house of God. God speaks to His people, this is what he says. Deuteronomy 6. Parents, I'm going to leave this with you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is about normalizing it. Make it naturally part of your lifestyle. Impress them on your children. Read that with me. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, just make following Jesus a normal thing to do. I heard about one family where the kids walked in, in quotes, caught dad reading the Bible. Guess what they started doing? Some of the precious moments in my life have been with little grandkids skimming stones at the beach. You know, you stand at the beach and you're celebrating the wonder of of nature. Don't just talk about the beach. Talk about the God who made it. Just normalize it. Normalize it. Now I'm going to sit down. I'm going to tell you about the creator of the universe. Just normalize it. Live it. Demonstrate it. So we're going to pray today. When the history of this generation is written, may they not say, they did incredible things, but they didn't bring through the next generation. May with God's help, you and I live out lives that example, follow me,
1: because I'm following
0: Jesus. God help us. And so today we're going to stand and we're going to (laughs) pray. We're going to pray for families. I'm going to pray for you. So why don't you stand? If you're still online, don't leave us for a moment. Our time is done and I understand that. You start talking about families and children. I guarantee there are some of us today that talk about your kids and a smile comes to your face. For Some of us, it's, it's a challenge. Never forgotten that line I heard Dr. Phil say years ago. He said, "You're only as happy as your saddest child." He said to one of our young dads this morning as I walked in. He said, "You never stop being a dad. Never. 60, 70, 80, you're still being a dad. Still a mum." And today we start talking about our kids and doing well in life and ultimately following Jesus. Some of us, you say, "I'd love you to pray for me." And we're going to do that right now. So would you bow your heads. Perhaps you've got prodigals. They grew up in church and for some reason they've walked away. Followed Jesus passionately but today almost ante. I wonder if you'd just right now place your hand upon your heart and I tell you that right through my teen years I didn't serve God and my parents prayed me home. They had their prayers answered and so can you. Good situations in your family say, God, I need you to do a miracle. Place your hand on your heart right now. We stand today and pray for you. We pray that you would be helped and encouraged and comforted by the Holy Spirit we agree with you for God to do a work in your family's lives, your sons, your daughters, your extended family we pray for them we pray that they would in a wonderful way have their eyes open to a God that is kind God that is good, a God that saves and heals and restores and I pray that God would use you even as we enter into a holiday season, pray that God would use you To sow seeds of his extravagant love. That use you to be a blessing. That he would cause you to just shine as an example of what it means to be somebody that knows Jesus. And I bless you and I bless your home today. I Pray for your heart to be strengthened. Pray for your home to know the goodness of God pray that you'll be blessed in every way. In Jesus' name. And while we're praying, can I, I just tell you, the Bible tells me that God sent his son, Jesus. It says not everybody accepted who he was, but whoever did, he gave them the right to become children of God. What an amazing thing. So even if we've had maybe dysfunctional families, Maybe some challenging situations in our own homes. There is a God that says, I, I'll be your father. And I'll help you and I'll change your life from the inside out. And, and maybe today is another moment for you. You've actually been on a journey that brought you to this moment. And says, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to say yes to God. First time ever. Or first time in a long, long time of being away. Last weekend was such a special weekend as we watched so many people. Make a decision for Christ all across this church. Maybe today's your moment. If it is, right now, just bow your hands and just place again, like others just did. If you're standing beside somebody, you, you think they're a follower of God, they're, they're a Jesus follower, just nudge them. They're going to pray for you. Here's what God promises that when you draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. And as you open your life to Him, I pray that he would come in, help you, forgive, accept, change your life. Cause you to know life-changing grace, his love and his power. And I pray that for you. I pray that for you in a life-changing way from this day forward.